Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in. This is the fourth episode of the Moguls and Mages podcast. I am Dan. I know very little about the Final Fantasy XIV world, lore, characters, but I'm getting there. I'm getting there, courtesy of my friend Cody. Hi. And Cody, you know quite a bit about Final Fantasy XIV, don't you? Uh, you know, I try. <laughs> and today we're talking about two races, right? Yeah, uh, one's going to be a bit faster. Because as much as I hate it, there's really not that much going on with their uh, their stuff that's like readily available in game. There's a lot of, mm. of of the characters of that race, but we mostly see them blending into other cultures rather than getting a dose of their culture on their own. Interesting. Yeah. So what we're going to be talking about first uh, is a race called the Rugadin. Right, you've mentioned them a couple of times now. You play Rugadin, right? I do. Uh, my character is a Rugadin female. Um, she's a unicorn. There's like <laughs> none of them. I think we might actually be the least populous race. <laughs> like a female dwarf in WoW. Very much. Uh, so these are the Rugadin. They're big, as you can see. Whoa. A max height Rugadin is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the tallest playable race in the game. They stand around seven and a half feet. Okay, real quick, the first thing that I'm noticing, there's a lot of variety, even between a single tribe. You know, it's it's one of those pictures Mm -hmm. where it's one tribe on each side. But on the left here, we've got the woman who's got blue skin and the guy who just flat out looks like a Japanese demon. He's got green (laughs) skin, yellow eyes, white hair. The other guy has, you know, red hair and green armor and looks like a giant leprechaun. <laughs> right. And then the the female on the right just kind of looks normal relative to the others. Yeah, she's a little pink. So it's impossible to really talk about the Rugadin without talking about how ridiculous their names can be sometimes. So we're going to start with names for the 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 tribe on the right Mm -hmm. these guys are called the hell's guard oh i like that sounds tough they are from a volcanic region uh in the mountains and they uh they believe that these volcanoes are passages to the underworld wait so what's the underworld to them that's an excellent question and i have no idea Okay, so so we don't really see that in the game. We've never really encountered proper Hellsguard culture on its own. Okay, well that's unfortunate. Sounds really unique compared to the others that we've spoken about. Part of the problem with that is that they're they don't have a major city. They're they're rather like small scale nomadic almost. Oh, okay. Um, so they don't they don't have a huge city to call their own that we can just go visit. They're, right. they're kind of very deeply solo people. Hmm. Their names are interesting and very simple compared to a lot of, of names in this game. Okay, ho- hopefully there's there's no rhyming games that I have to play like with a lot <laughs> Not of Not this time, no. So Hellsguard Rugadin names are adjective noun. Oh. Tall Mountain, Still River, Blue Lily... These are all Hellsguard Rugadin names. 
And <laughs> it, it's literally that simple. You just pick an adjective, pick a noun. Ta-da, you're a lore-friendly Hellsguard. Okay, now, have you seen anyone that has chosen an RP-focused name that, that's funny? Or... We don't have to look very far. <laughs> because within the main story or not the main story but within the the warrior quest line um the warrior quests involve some hellsguard rugadin that are using this warrior tribes combat and the warrior tribes combat involves harnessing your inner beast as they call it mm. and the warrior at the head of that quest line is named curious gorge <laughs> <laughs> so yeah wait, wait, they're wait. there so whenever you're looking at families or tribes how do do they maintain a, a name similarity between them actually n no because if the tribe is small enough i could see you know not having the same name working yeah so the Hellsguard are fiercely independent so having a family name leads to the idea that they could be judged based on their family name, not on their own action. Oh. So a lot of times they tend to avoid a family name. That makes sense. I was just thinking that from what you've described, it sounds like with them being so independent, they want to go off and earn you know, glory or do these fantastic deeds for their people and whenever you see them or, or the people talk about them, it's, oh, yeah, Flaming Spear did this crazy thing. Mm -hmm. And then Flaming Spear is just chilling with a glass of warm wine in his hand, just loving life. Yeah, all that that's glory. exactly what it is. He wants huh. to build his legend. You know, they sound pretty cool. I would like to hang out with one of those guys. <laughs> I mean, if you want to hang out with the warriors, all you do is just get a big axe and go break rocks. <laughs> it's pretty much what they do all the time it's just their equivalent of golf yeah just hanging just out get angry and break shooting things. the breeze <laughs> so what about this other tribe here uh those guys are called the sea wolves and the sea wolf rugadin are pirate like that's just their culture they're pirates oh okay they huh. They're, they're a seafaring nation. Um, they're actually the ones who essentially created the coastal city in the Eorzean Alliance called Limsa Lamensa. I, I remember you mentioning that name once. So Limsa is a city of privateers. It used to just be a loose collection of pirates. That is until the current leader of Limsa Lamensa, a sea wolf... Uh, essentially pirate queen who goes by the name of and this is where sea wolf names come in Merlewib Bluefiswin <laughs> they're sort of like my brain wants to say like like Finnish sounding or like uh, that kind of area right like it's something I don't want to say Nordic yeah, like, like this is my American showing. I don't know. <laughs> right. Like Welsh or maybe? vaguely that there? area. <laughs> Scandinavian? Yeah, that's the word uh, I was looking for. Scandinavian. And, you know, when, you, when you're saying that this tribe is uh, the sea wolves, right? Mm-hmm. I could, I could kind of see that from the picture that you showed me. You know, the, the woman here, 
She's got you know the leather armor and really what what I would describe for her top as a short sleeve blouse with the midriff cut off. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's a blouse at that point, but I, I can see the piratiness <laughs> of it. Yeah. I mean, that is the Rugadan uh, racial armor, so that's, like, what you wear at character creation. So, you know, compared to that Makote diplomatic uniform like we were talking about early on in episode one, this just really looks like casual clothing for the yeah. woman there. Yeah. So, I'm just going to show you a picture of Merle Wib, and you... We'll talk about her name really quickly, but uh, Merlewib is no nonsense. She is an all-business lady. You you don't get to be stupid and run a pirate nation because you'd be dead. Of course, that makes sense. Um, she yeah. go ahead. She looks very businesswoman-like. It, it's a mix between her outfit being business professional. And piratey. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the long boots that make it piratey to me. Well, it's also, you know, the long sleeves, the buckles on the front there. Yeah. It, it's all very professional. Yeah, I, I could see her both in the workplace at, you know, as a high ranking CEO, <laughs> or also just, you know, ramming her ship into another person's ship. <laughs> so, her name, we'll just break that down really quick. Sure. If you could type it out for me, too, that'd be perfect. Oh, why would you ask me to do this? <laughs> I think that's right. Marlwood Blowfist win. Yeah. It's hard, to, it's hard to read, it's hard to write, and it's hard to say. That's a sea wolf name. I refuse to believe we're saying this correct, but I have no idea where to go for, for that no, to be no, right. I, I, uh, 100% this is accurate. Merlewib Blowfist win. You can break it down. That is 100% accurate. I, I will believe you as my guide. <laughs> so, it's an old language that they use uh, for their names. And it actually does break down into several different words. So, Merle Wib. Merle is C in their language wib mm -hmm. is woman so sea woman okay that makes sense blue is blue fis <laughs> is fish and win is daughter Altogether, this turns into sea wife daughter of blue fish oh okay and huh. yeah so you can break down all the sea wolf names and you sort of get that history to their naming it, it's like it makes me think of of the like nordic stuff where it's like you would name someone like like grim's daughter because mm. it's just like she's the daughter of grim right right there's just not a ton of people there and it's that very makes literal and it's it's just it's her name it's a word in itself but it tells a story right that's really cool actually that they would do this with rugadin yeah. where it's unfortunate that they don't have a gigantic part of plot that you can consume in the world. So sad. But what they do have is very unique from the other naming systems that I've seen with, with the other races. At least mm -hmm. with these, you can get a feel, a sort of taste of their culture. Yeah, 
so as far as some notable Rugadin go, Merlewib, obviously. Uh, you know, resident pirate queen of Limsa Minsa. She mm-hmm. collected these pirates and turned them from just roving pirates into privateers aimed at the Garlean Empire. Rather than outlawing piracy altogether, she said, you can keep robbing ships so long as they're Garlean. Oh, okay. So she's directing the piracy. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see what would happen if the Garlean Empire fell. What would happen after that? I'll let you know in Endwalker. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Things are not looking good for old Garlemald right now. Ooh. So, the coolest things about Merlewib all happened in a very recent story thing. She has not gotten a whole lot of screen time. Mm. The most recent stuff showed just her, like, dedication to Eorzea on the whole. You wouldn't expect that much loyalty from a pirate, but here she is. It seems like she knows what's best for the piracy is not having a whole bunch of nations targeting them. Mm-hmm, absolutely. She was willing to die uh, for, for peace with a beast tribe. Oh. Yeah, she, she actually gave one of them her gun and said, you know, this thing's loaded. It will kill me. If, if you know, sign our peace treaty. And if that's not enough, you can take my life. Just... <sighs> We want to stop fighting. Wow. Okay, so that that is a very ballsy move. Mm-hmm. And just before that, there was a bit of a mutiny where this one upstart pirate decided that he wanted to go back to the good old days and stop all this stuffy following rules and nonsense. <laughs> go back to the codes. So he challenged Merlewib to a duel, and he won, or he lost, but he uh, he lived. So I'd call that kind of winning. <laughs> Wait, how do you lose a duel? I'm, I'm assuming of what's normally to the death, but still live. He was shooting to kill. Merlewib was shooting to flex. Okay, gotcha. I believe she shoots him in the leg, but she also shoots his bullet out of the air. <laughs> okay, so she just stomps on him establishes that the the fight is now over and walks mm-hmm. away and he never stood a chance <laughs> cool so is there any way that they work ether into their their pirating they're natural marauders they're thanks to their large size they wield huge axes like nobody's business and i would assume that the uh the the ether just enhances their already substantial physical strength Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, there's one other Rogadin I want to mention. He's different. Mm-hmm. He's actually from Doma. Oh, okay. And he looks a little bit different than the other Rugadin. Doman, Doman-born Rugadin, I guess. He's the only one we've seen. He lacks the, the flat nose Whoa. of a normal Rugadin. He has a more human-like face. But he's definitely got that build like mm-hmm. a Rugadin. So this guy's name is Gosetsu. Okay, so he has a very samurai type appearance. Yeah, he is a very samurai. Uh, oh, that, that's a class, isn't it? Samurai? It is, yeah. Ah. 
Gosetsu serves Lord Hien, the current leader of Doma. Uh, and he's a legendary samurai within Doma. He's also insanely strong. Like, I don't know how. There, there's a point <laughs> where you have a villain held up in a castle that is collapsing. Mm. He actually catches the roof. He's holding up the 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 what what are the supports on a roof called rafter? Rafters, yeah, yeah the, the ones he's uh... holding that support beam up to keep the roof of this castle from collapsing. <laughs> he's probably the only one that can reach it in time too. Yeah, and, and then <laughs> the villain shoots him in the back while he's holding the roof up, and he continues holding the roof up. Oh, dude, what a chad. And then he, he keeps holding it up until the floor breaks under him. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> the, the castle broke before this guy. Yeah! Gosetsu is a beast. So, I've actually got a theory about how Gosetsu is exceptionally strong compared to already other strong uh, Rugadin. Mm. So... It makes sense that being near the Eorzea area, you know, he can channel ether. Mm -hmm. But what I'm thinking is being a samurai, he's probably doing a lot of mental training and uh, focusing. And Mm -hmm. that probably helps empower his channeling of ether to help him be extra strong, be extra resistant to, you know, being shot in the back. (laughs) Yeah, it's entirely possible. Um, he, he shows himself as a very mentally resilient person anyway, because he actually survives. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know what, what sells his fortitude is when he's introduced, when we first meet him, he steps off of a boat onto a, a little coastal city, a tiny coastal city called Vesper Bay. And mm-hmm. he says, I'm looking for the scions. And you're like, I mean, you found him. And he says, oh, good. And then he takes one step and falls over. (laughs) And you're like, what happened to this guy? So when he comes to you, ask him and he says, oh, I've been I've been rowing for days. Whoa. He got in a rowboat and and sailed by hand. Across the ocean from another continent. So this guy is basically the best swordsman in Doma. Can he not afford passage, or did he choose to do this? I I think he just chose to do it. (laughs) Oh boy, Tuesday. (laughs) Time for my normal workout. (laughs) He mentioned that he really hadn't eaten anything. So I think he probably was just like, time for a jaunt to Eorzea. And just hopped in a boat and started rowing. (laughs) <laughs> and then halfway there said i'm hungry this is taking a lot longer than i thought it would not realizing it'd been several days Look, looking at a map thinking it's going to be like a three-hour trip it was just a big miscalculation when we travel from eorzea to doma it takes like a week what? wait transporting how by ship yeah by ship in a very fast ship <laughs> This dude, so what type of Rugadin is he? 
because I, I know he's not he doesn't seem like a full Rugadin. there's theories that he was uh half here but if i'm not mistaken square enix has said no he's just a dome and Rugadin. they're just different hmm. okay so a sort of third pseudo Rugadin. yeah but he's the only one that's like that that we've seen so i really have no idea that is very interesting because that definitely implies that there are others like him yeah it does unless he just kind of materialized out of ether into the world <laughs> he willed himself into existence <laughs> yes i like that <laughs> so as much as i would love to to talk more about them there really isn't much more to say about rugadin that's a shame because they've got a lot of really cool things about them. Yeah, I really like them. So, real quick, do we happen to know of any other like fourth type of Rugadin? Uh, no, but I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. Do we? Okay, so real quick for um, this Mister Samurai Man, uh, Son Sonkatsu, Gosetsu, Gosetsu. I'm sorry, I'm it, it terrible. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so I'll with Gosetsu, do we? have a, a name for his type of Rugadin, or do we just call him a Doman Rugadin? We just called him a Doman Rugadin. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm, I'm sad to hear that we don't have more, but hopefully they bring more going forward. Hey, here's hoping, because we have plenty of, uh, of, of openings in later expansions to go to new areas, given the way the story is wrapping up in this one. Hmm. And hopefully we can get some more little pieces of info from the uh, Encyclopedia Eorzea. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That'll, that'll probably have some cool stuff in it. I'd love to just talk about those when I get them. Yes. So, the other race. Mm. It actually segues pretty good from Rugadin because Gosetsu has a friend of this race. All right. Any friend of Gosetsu is a friend of mine. <laughs> yeah. So, these guys are called... The Aura. Whoa. These are your dragon folk. Oh, they look really cool. I like how they're all striking anime poses. <laughs> you, you may notice immediately just the sheer amount of dimorphism between the females and the males of the race. It is stark. Female Aura are tiny. Incredibly tiny. They're, they're like really petite characters. And then male mm -hmm. Aura are just these like hulking dudes. Well, they're all, the proportions are so different too. The, the males are so gangly. Mm -hmm. They've got arms that are about going down to their knees. Their legs are super long compared to their torso. Yeah. And are those tails? Yes, they do have tails. I know there's going to be some people that get annoyed that I called them the dragons. Bro, they got horns and scales and tails, man. How, how can you not call it a dragon at that point? The official lore actually disputes that they're dragons. They they claim that they have their stuff from elsewhere. Um, <laughs> we, we don't know where that elsewhere is. <laughs> I really don't know. Uh, I don't yes. know what, el what else has horns and scales and tails. Ah, uh, drakes. Okay, great, good, good. Yeah, dragon uh, maybe people. they're demonic in nature. I don't know. You know, I I can maybe see that, but I don't know. Whenever I see that pale skin from the female, I, I, I don't think demon. Hmm. They also then have again, glowing I, eyes. 
I also have no idea. You know, that's a point towards demon, maybe. But I also have no idea what the demons look like in this world. All kinds of stuff. Oh, okay, so there, there's a possibility there. Because, yeah. to be honest, I could sort of see the the shoulder pad on the the aura on the male on the left on the yes. image here. Yeah, it, it does look very demonic with the horns and the sort of disfigured face. Yeah, that's true. So what are these two different types of aura? We have two separate tribes, uh, and these guys are much more tribe than the others. A lot of the other ones feel like subspecies, but these are like straight-up tribes. Hmm. Uh, we have the Rayan and the Zayla. Okay, gotcha. The Zayla are the ones with the black scales. Okay, and then the darker skin on the males, or mm-hmm. I guess the cooler sort tones? Sort of blue-gray, yeah. Yeah. The Zayla... Both the Rayan and the Zayla share a creation myth involving the Dawn Father and the Dusk Mother. And all Al-Ra are descended from those two. So what do we know about this Dawn Father and Dusk Mother? Not a whole lot directly, but there are some really interesting implications. Okay. That I can't fully explain because you don't have the right context. No! (laughs) (laughs) Namely, the Dawn Father is named Azim. And there is a member of the Eorzean 12 named Azem. Or Azema is the Eorzean 12, is Azema. And then there's a member of another faction, who we've yet to talk about, named Azem. And there's a theory that they might all be the same person. Okay, that's very curious. We should definitely take a look into the Pantheon at some point. There's going to be a fantastic opportunity for it uh, in Endwalker. The raid series, the Alliance raid series in Endwalker is going to be called Secrets of the Twelve or something like that. Oh, very nice. Yes, so I'll definitely get some supplementary info. The Zela believe that they are descended heavily from the Dusk Mother. Mm -hmm. They tend to live more solitary lives in the mountains of Althard, which is uh, the the continent that Doma is on. Uh, Oh, wait, no. Sorry. I have those backwards. I actually have those backwards. Mm -hmm. The Zela... The Zela are the ones on the Azim step. Okay. My bad. Don't, don't crucify me, other lore people. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Rayan that live solitary lives. Oh, okay. That is interesting. Yeah, the Rayan are the one with the white scales. They believe that they are heavily descended from the Dawn Father. They are nomadic. Uh, they are apparently extremely well known for being skilled swordsmen. Hmm. Uh, and they're quite rare compared to the Zela. Oh, okay, so we just don't really know much about their culture, I'm assuming? Not nearly as much as the Zela. That's... Okay, so one thing that's kind of confusing me a little bit is... So they seem very, you know, opposed to each other. And just, you know, from the way that we're talking, I figure they would be very, very, very different from each other in pretty much every aspect of culture. They're basically wearing the same clothes in this picture of the two different tribes. Yeah, it could just be a bit of gameplay 
dissonance, gameplay story dissonance, because the there's some races that are supposed to be so rare that you really just don't see them, but mm. players can all be that race. And you know what? It makes sense for the Rea with them being so rare, they wouldn't really have a dedicated outfit that would represent all of them. Mm. Okay, that, that's forgivable. The Zela are much more in-depth. In Stormblood, we actually visit the Azim Steppe, which is where they all live. And their culture actually has a lot going on in it. Uh, mostly because there's a shitload of Zela tribes. Hmm. Like, 50? Whoa, okay, so these guys are popping up left and right. Yeah, they, they, they all, a lot of them live in the Azim Steppe. And their, their entire culture revolves around the Azim Steppe. What kind of place is that? It's flat, grassland kind of area. Mm -hmm. Let me find an image of it for you. Sounds like a good place to witness dusk, maybe? <laughs> it is the... It's one of the more interesting zones there uh, in Stormblood from a culture perspective. Mostly because you're going to see this really interesting building in the image I'm sending you. While you're pulling that up, one thing that I'm noticing is that... It, it, so, you had mentioned scales... And I just figured that, okay, it's like body hair or something, you know, it's just kind of random. But these look very purposefully placed, like they're uh, images or, or symbols. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. They, they don't just have scales on their bodies. They just have patches of scales in certain areas. You know, the shoulders, um, the neck, the forearm. Or maybe it's like patterns, like with a cat or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then... Before we move on from how they look, so these are on the male, these things on the side of their head. Th those are horns, right? Those are their ears. Okay, hold on. <laughs> yeah, there are horns, but they are also their ears. Oh, that sounds very strange. It looks like they would hear nothing but themselves speaking whenever they talk i, I don't the, fully know how it works they, they curve around all the way to the front of their mouth just about like mm. maybe what four or five inches away there's multiple horn styles you can pick from but yes that is one of oh them. okay gotcha so they vary yeah they, they definitely don't seem as oppressively placed as with the females <laughs> yeah where they go backwards like that yeah yeah the, the male ones just look like ram's horns just about yeah a little, a little bit yeah the, I, I don't know how exactly it works it's probably they can like get vibrations or something and it turns into sound through the horn right right they might be hollow for all i know <laughs> uh i i kind of like the idea of them being hollow i don't want to picture what's inside of their ear horns <laughs> <laughs> so since i glossed over it i completely forgot to mention it uh the rayan their names are traditional japanese hmm. like classic old old japanese uh the one that's gosetsu's friend her name is Yugiri Mistwalker. Okay, and then they get more of a 
now traditional surname. The Mistwalker, I believe, might be a title for her. Oh, okay. Because she's like a she's a ninja. So it sounds like the Rhea are potentially stemming from Doma. I mean, both of them are in Doma. Oh, okay, gotcha. So neither well, of these in, are. They're in Othard, which is the the like grand region. It's the continent that Doma is a part of. Doma is just a nation within Othard. Okay, so these aren't originated in Eorzea. No. Okay, they're gotcha. from nearby. So the Rea are traditionally Japanese. The Zela are Mongolian. Whoa! Okay, I was curious to see if we were if we were going to be able to see a, a distinctly, uh, you know, a distinct culture that they pulled from when making that. So, yeah. how do they relate to the Mongolians? So, I I want to say that it's just because, like, okay, I don't know that much about Mongol stuff. I know a bit about Genghis what? Khan. You're killing me, Cody. <laughs> look maybe you can fill me in i don't know much about the mongols aside from from genghis khan and horse lords uh, you know I, I would be lying if i didn't say i was in the same place because ah. mo- most of what i've been hearing about the mongols lately has been coming from me looking into the white scars from warhammer 40k <laughs> which is basically the mongolian well, space these guys workings. don't have motorcycles so they're not <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're not white scars yet. Not yet. <laughs> yet. Yet. I Dude. don't really know how to pronounce those names very well. I don't know what the emphasis is on stuff. Right, right. Um, they, They're tribal. Multiple tribes. There's like 50 of them. They live on the Azim Steppe. And they really like fighting. Mm. They, they fight each other. There's a really big thing that happens on the Azim step periodically. Okay. You see that big bowl? Yeah, yeah, it looks like an arena almost. That's called the Dawn Throne. And it's where the current ruling tribe of the Azim step lives. Oh, and then everyone else is below them on the ground. Yeah. They they have this ceremonial battle called the Nadam. And the Nadam is just every tribe competes to see who will be the ruling tribe. And the ruling tribe has the option to live in the Dawn Throne. They don't have to, but they have the option. That's really cool. So how often does the Nadam take place? I'm not entirely sure. And an Adam happens in the Stormblood storyline, but I don't think it's annual or anything. Mm-hmm. Just because I feel like they would possibly lose too many people, because it gets yeah. kind of violent. Wait, so this isn't just one-on-one combat. This is like tribal-level combat, straight-up war. Whoa! Yeah, that should only be. I don't know if they attempt to kill, but I'm sure people get killed. Yeah, maybe like every 25, 50 years or something just to replenish your forces. Mm -hmm. Because also we're talking tribes. I can't imagine there's that many people per tribe. Yeah. 
And the other thing, too, is that these some of these tribes are small, even compared to the other tribes. And, you know, that, that makes sense, because if you have a tribe that successfully won the Nadam and has been in power, you know, maybe they don't stay in power. But mm. if you get in once, I imagine that means that, okay, you get the resources that if you come into a time of trouble where there's a lack of food or scarcity in water or anything like that, then you're insured stuff being the leaders. Mm-hmm. And so that's just going to improve your chances during the next Nadam. Yes. that I believe that the the Oranir tribe uh, has actually been ruling for quite a while. They're one of one of the major tribes there. Uh, they're led by a guy named Magni. Uh, he believes that he's like descendant from the Dawn Father. And his like entire goal when you encounter him is basically anytime he sees a uh, attractive woman, he's like, it's her. She's my dawn mother. <laughs> so he goes and okay. hits on everybody. Okay, so he's establishing the whole divine right thing <laughs> that he's supposed to be the ruler. Yeah. He tries to flirt with Ishtola and she shuts him down. Oh, poor yeah. guy. Yeah. He tried. <laughs> he tried. You know what? You got to take your chance with Ishtola, you know? Yeah. <laughs> How can you go forward in life without at least doing that? So he he's very he's very strong he's very conceited uh, very headstrong but ultimately when he's on your side he's on your side mm. he's not gonna betray you right he's got his own code of honor yes that makes sense and then so with the whole Mongolian thing do they have a lot of archers or a lot of cavalry it varies on the tribe oh okay so. We'll just go through some of the tribes really quick. Maybe mention some of the more interesting ones. I, I just realized from our uh, conversation when uh, we looked over the cinematic a while ago. <laughs> oh yeah, chocobos are going to be the the cavalry, aren't they? Yeah. Well, it's in... just funny thinking about a dragon person, right? Or you know, demon or or whatever person riding a chocobo in a battle. The domans do not like chocobos. What? There is a quest line involving some Doman refugees, and you want to help them get back to Doma, and that involves a chocobo carriage that'll take them to an area so they can get on a boat and go back to Doma. The Domans hate it. They say, your chocobos stink. We don't want to ride your smelly horse birds. So... Real quick, I got a funny thing. One of my favorite authors is Brandon Sanderson, and one of the big book series that he's working on right now is called The Stormlight Archives. Mm -hmm. In this world, their workhorse is basically a giant hermit crab called a (laughs) chull. Okay. (laughs) And yeah, you know, I I could see coming from the Doma's perspective where chickens smell really bad if you're not used to them. Mm-hmm. And if you're working with a horse-sized chicken, I mean, sure, you, surely they're more intelligent than chickens, and you, you can actually upkeep their hygiene. But ultimately, that's still just a giant chicken, it seems like to me. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. So the, the Domans say that they stink and they hate them. Uh, the Domans actually just have horses. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, horses so are horses a thing. do exist here. 
yeah, horses do exist. The 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 Aura don't ride ho- they they have horses, but they they have a, another bird. Um uh, I cannot remember the name of this thing off the top of my head, but it's a but, big old bird. So is it not a bipedal bird no, like the Chocobo? No, it flies. Oh. Yeah. I just, the name of it has completely escaped me. Well, that makes sense, though, that if you've got, you know, for example, with the, um, was it the, the Dawnfather tribe, the, mm-hmm. um, or are they called again? The Dawnfather are, I always mix these up, the Dawnfather it, are the Rayan. The Rayan. So that makes sense with the Rayan. If they're so spread out and far from each other, they've probably got places that they meet up that they can only get to from these birds. Hmm. You actually have to get one of the birds yourself to compete in the Nadam as the Warrior of Light. It's like part of a, a, a trial, like a coming of age thing. Oh. You know that thing in Avatar where they, they like catch one of those weird pterodactyls? Avatar blue yeah. people, not Avatar airbender. Right, right. I right. had to think yeah. about that for a second. <laughs> they, they catch one of those weird pterodactyl things. It's like that. You have to do that in order to, like, prove yourself as a adult and a warrior. Right, that makes sense. And I, I suppose that they're just about as ferocious as the, the dinosaur birds? Very much. They, they, they have very powerful wind magic. So Everything uses magic. You mentioned that the Warrior of Light has to enter into the Nadam? Yeah. Uh, so, so we... We're trying to recruit the Aura to our side to help us liberate Doma from the Garlean Empire. The oh. Aura don't really want to join in that fight because they're like, we're not Doman. Yeah, it's not our fight. Yeah, and we're, we're telling them you can stay out of it but when Doma fails they will come for you. Right. If you think they'll ignore the Azim step, you're crazy. Yeah, look at the writing on the wall. Mm-hmm. So we actually enter in, we back an extremely small tribe called the Mole. The Mole tribe believes that they uh, follow the word of the old gods, whatever their old gods are. Uh, And they have a shaman that communes with these deities and says, this is what we're doing. And they Hmm. do that, no questions asked. If the, gotcha. if the old god said we're going to, to live on this other side of the Azim Steppe and we're going to lose a lot of people in the journey, mm-hmm. sorry, we're losing a lot of people in the journey. Right. It's just how it goes. That, that seems very in line with our culture, you know. We're going to lose a lot of people for figuring out who our future is for leadership. We're going to lose a lot of people for traveling or for you know anything else. Yeah. So, since we mentioned them, I'll, I'll go back and... We'll talk about some of the more interesting tribes, because some of them are weird. Mm-hmm. Let's take, let's see, the Bayakud. Bayakud? I'm not, I'm probably butchering this. The Bayakud tribe is a matriarchal society where the women have harems. Ooh, okay. <laughs> right, That's I'm one on of it. Them. There's the, there's two tribes that are one all women and one all men. So, the Borlock tribe, 
are very Amazonian. They'll breed with men, but if they have a male child, then they give up the kid. And the kid is generally given up to the Buduga tribe, which is all male. And the Buduga <laughs> tribe raids other tribes and steals their boys. Whoa. Okay, that's a weird, like, grim, dark Peter Pan kind of thing going on. <laughs> uh,. Oh, wait, no, here, this is interesting. It says that the Boudiga don't take the, the women from the Borlock. It's a tribe called the Irik, a tribe that follows the Borlock, taking on any male children given up by the female warriors and raising them as their own. Though I presume the Bor- the Boudiga might just come take those men later anyway. Yeah, that's a very inter- interesting dynamic that they have. There's just a ton of different tribes to look mm-hmm. at. I, I can yeah. picture that there's got to be other sort of uh, symbiotic relationships between them yeah and there, there's so only like half not even half there, there's like five tribes that show up in the actual game most of these are just mentioned in the lore mm. let's see what else is in here there well, i know what? there's so there's the orinir naturally uh they're the ones that are the leading tribe current or what well, they were the leading tribe currently until they're defeated by the warrior of light oh okay gotcha mm-hmm the Karel tribe wear armor crafted from bones of step tigers, which step they tigers? must kill with their own hands. Whoa. <laughs> that's got to look so wild. Yeah, that has to be. That, that's pretty, that's pretty intense as a coming of age. Go kill this, this tiger with your bare hands. <laughs> I was just learning that, you know, normal tigers in our world you know, they can be up to like, it was like 540 pounds or something like that. And they're just so long and they can book it. They're going like 40 miles an hour when they charge <laughs> something. What do you think a Final Fantasy Tiger is like? Well, I can tell you they're big. They're basically <laughs> saber tooth. Oh, man. I bet that makes some really cool armor. Oh, these guys are in the Uyagir tribe. They they have given up on all of their um all their their wealth, all their material possessions, and they live in these caves because they believe that uh the elder tribes were struck down for being too greedy. Oh interesting. So so they live more simple lives so away from mm-hmm. all the carnage, I imagine? Mm-hmm. This is the one I was thinking of. The Goro tribe. The Goro tribe believes horses to be perfect beings. <laughs> and they actually marry their horses. Wait a minute. Yeah, so they, they basically have, each of them just has a horse. And they're like, this is your horse. This Consider this horse your husband. Huh, and, and then they've got normal, you know, other... Our yeah, it says they, they draw lots for reproduction. <laughs> so they take the horse part very seriously, but the reproduction's just like, ah, just do it. Whatever. If, Get it over if I have to reproduce, I guess. <laughs> I, mean... <laughs> I, I remember that one being a pretty interesting one. People were like, this is, huh. <laughs> right okay there there's some some odd implications there that i don't want to delve into (laughs) there's the dotharl which are extremely violent 
they believe that they are reincarnations of previous members. Mm. Yeah, they have no fear of death. Oh, at all. man. That, that reminds me of the stories about you know, the, the, the first times uh, of Vikings invading into you know, England and, and those parts of the world. Mm. And it's just terrifying having your, your soldiers that believe in you know heaven and hell fighting someone that to them death, you know, death in battle is glorious and they're charging for that yeah exactly these guys are actually the main rival to the Oranir. that sounds like it that they would be one of the stronger tribes mm-hmm. i mean sure they, it sounds like they may not have the highest numbers if you know they, they have no fear of death but right. they're they actually be have very brutal. small numbers but they are yeah fierce just super efficient their leader, uh, a woman named Sadu, is really great. <laughs> she, she's, she and Magni have a wonderful dynamic, mostly because she is constantly giving him shit. <laughs> so is, is he lusting after her as well? No, but it's a popular fan pairing. <laughs> the, the community is like, yeah, these two are pretty good. I like these guys. So so what does she do? She's a, a frighteningly powerful black mage. Oh. So I don't do know if she's many... actually a black mage. Uh, she's probably her own spin on it. Right. Now, you had mentioned that a lot of them are natural marauders. Do you have any other classes that pop up with the aura? I mean, given the swordsman nature for the Rayan, I would assume there are several samurai among them that makes sense with the region they're in yeah um we see quite a few uh archers and spear wielders so lancers i guess would be the way to go they're not dragoons Mm. because dragoons are exclusive to ishgard but what if (laughs) what if uh oh the iconic one in the story being a dark knight there are some alra in ishgard now, real quick, what's unique to a, a, a Dark Knight as far as their abilities? So they they sort of harness their own inner darkness, their their inner like negative emotion, and they they funnel it into power. So they are very much hmm. the edge lord class. <laughs> and then I'm sure that sort of you know, culminates into a aesthetically dark power as well mm-hmm, you know yeah. any blasts or of energy are going to be dark yes a hundred percent their skill names are things like dark side blood weapon salted earth is one of their attacks uh so they're very very edgy so you remember Star Wars: The Old Republic, the the newer one, right? Mm-hmm. The online game. Whenever you played one, basically the Sith version of a warrior. So you had a healing ability where, whenever you were out of combat, you could use this ability and heal up to full. It, it just took a while. Well, for normal Jedi, you know, it was basically just meditating. For the Sith, it's just you walk around mad <laughs> and you're just seething and you just take a couple of steps left and right <laughs> jedi freaking don't have lightsaber i need and then you're good as new that's fantastic 
Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of picturing the same thing for the Dark Knights here. Just you're trying to get mad to harness your animosity. It kind of works because the the iconic Dark Knight ability is called Living Dead, and it's okay. basically just you die, but you don't. <laughs> When you get killed with Living Dead active, you have like 10 seconds where you just stay alive. And if you're fully healed in that time, you'll stay alive. If you don't fully heal in that time, you're dead. Well, so you have to get fully healed up or else you die. Mm -hmm. That's a really cool ability. I like it that. Is. It is really cool. I could see that bringing up some some very agitating moments for actually playing the game of a healer who maybe doesn't have his glasses on, thinking, oh, yeah, he's topped off, he's fine. Missing one HP. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and just screaming at them, please, please heal me. <laughs> so th there's, there's a lot about the Aura that I just did not cover. The the, the tribe itself is large, or the... the, the, the race itself is large their tribes have a ton of nuance and really mm. interesting stuff whenever we start talking about the expansion storylines and we get to the azim step i'll definitely go into more detail about the various things that go on in azim okay so do you think that with the aura we should go ahead and have a part two next or do you want to do that later um we'll do it later because I really, I don't want to rush, but I also want to get through the races and the setup so that we can really start talking about some of the more interesting plot lines right. in the game. Okay, so what's going to be next on the docket for us? Uh, another two-parter. We're going to have the two newest races in the game. Okay. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Rothgar. The Rothgar are giant lion men. Ooh, and I okay. say men because they are exclusively male. Oh. There are curious. no playable female Hrothgar. They are that rare. Okay, and then the what's the second one? The other one are the Viera. They're the bunny girls. And also exclusively girls? Until Endwalker, we are actually getting playable male Viera. Oh. But they are also exceedingly rare in the lore. <laughs> okay, well, they sound really intriguing. I I'm really excited to learn about those. Yeah, it's going to be great. Ooh. Cats and cats and rabbits. We're, we're, we're filling up the zoo, Cody. Get in there. <laughs> <laughs> awesome well thank you so much for talking with me about these and mm -hmm. we'll we will see you in at what episode five now i believe so yeah oh, man. all right well thank you everyone for checking us out and we'll see you at episode five see you next time Thanks for listening to our show. If you enjoyed it, give us a follow. We would love to hear your thoughts on what you want us to cover going forward. If there was something that you wanted to hear about in more detail, reach out to us on Twitter at Moogles and Mages or at MageMandan. Thanks for tuning in.